Chicago implodes as Mayor Lori Lightfoot raises the bridges. Trump issues an executive order to suspend the payroll tax as Joe Biden prepares to name a VP candidate. And we deconstruct the culture by examining a new masterpiece from Cardi B and Megan The Stallion. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Surf the web with peace of mind. Sign up right now at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben. What an exciting show we have for you today. I hope that you had a wonderful, relaxing weekend. A quick note at the top of the show. So I just want to note how some people on the radical left act because it is a reminder where we are in the country. And this story happens to personally involve me. So over the weekend, I start receiving all of these bizarre emails from people just cursing me out, which is like kind of a normal weekend, but a little bit more than a normal weekend. And people saying they want to join Antifa emailing me. And then I realized yesterday that there is this rumor going around online, and I'm not kidding you, that I had started a, an Antifa website, like an Antifa recruiting website in order to catfish members of Antifa. Okay, and this rumor was so prevalent because there were some big name people on the left who were putting out this rumor. It was pushed by idiots on, on Reddit. Obviously, and that was perfectly obviously, perfectly obvious. What happened is they set up a, a fake Antifa recruiting website. And then in the fake Antifa recruiting website, they put my public email address in the source code such that it was searchable. And then they released that information on Reddit. And then everybody on the left apparently bought into this. So some person named L. Stenger, who is apparently some wild left LGBT activist, tweeted out, Ben Shapiro got caught as the creator of an Antifa recruitment website. Ha ha ha. 117,000 likes, 117,000 likes. And the geniuses and grifters over at the Lincoln Project tweeting back graphics in response as though it's real. Okay, so I start getting inundated with texts and emails from both the Reddit trolls and from people on Twitter. Like, what the hell is this? It turns out, obviously, that it was a prank by some Reddit idiot. And the person is now going out there and recognizing this is what's, ha- what's happened. The, the person's name is Adam Rahuba. And he tweeted out, since this prank is going viral, and we know he'll spin it to play victim. Ben Shapiro did not set up a fake Antifa site. I thought it'd be fun to hide his name in the source code. I'm not acting as part of any leftist group. I did it because I think he's a turd. If you want to support any future trolling attempts, Venmo me. So here's how it went. This piece of, this piece of garbage decided to put my name in a fake Antifa recruitment website, specifically to you know, make my life more annoying over the weekend. And I'll be honest with you, the good news is I don't have to check my email, so I really didn't care very much. And also, I don't have Twitter on my phone because Twitter's stupid. And I found out about it like late last night, early this morning. So it was like mildly annoying, but it wasn't like super duper annoying. And then the person tried to raise money off of it. This just shows you where the heads are at for the radical left right now. And this went around as though it was real. They're like big name people on the left who are promoting this garbage. And it was perfectly obvious it was garbage from the very beginning. So that's how my weekend went. I hope that you had a, a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Meanwhile, over the weekend, the big news, obviously, is that the president of the United States signed an executive order. The President Trump angry at the Democrats for not having worked with Republicans in order to pass some sort of of bailout bill. It's not really a bailout bill, kind of continuing funding for unemployment insurance because of the pandemic. Because the Democrats, because Nancy Pelosi has been holding this thing up, President Trump signed an executive order. And I have thoughts on the executive order. First, it is important to note the politics of the situation. Okay, it is actually quite smart for Trump politically. Then we'll get to the actual constitutionality of this thing. Here's my view of executive orders generally. Executive orders were always meant to effectuate legislation. That is what executive orders are meant to do. The president does not have unlimited power to simply sign into law whatever he wants to sign into law. Typically, an executive order happens when Congress says, we want the president to do X. And in order to effectuate X, the president then signs an executive order to do X, right, to be more specific. So Congress gives you sort of a broad mandate, and the president puts that into place via an executive order. That's not really what happened here. The problem for Democrats is several fold here. One, Politically speaking, the Democrats did hold up a rescue package. Two, Trump took action to fill in the gap. Three, when Democrats then fight back against that and try to sue him to stop that rescue package from going forward, they look terrible. So politically, it's actually quite smart what Trump did here. I mean, those are not normally words you hear me saying, but that is a politically smart move by the president of the United States. Trump is politically smart. It is not a good thing. It is not good that we are now governed by executive order. But it is also true that when Democrats protest that and when the media protest that, I can think of only two words. Barack Obama, who governed with literally a pen and a phone for the last several years of his administration. We'll get to all of that in a second. First, the quick reminder, Democrats held up any possibility at a rescue package last week. Senator Rob Portman from Ohio 
he was pointing out on Thursday that all the Democrats had to do was sign for like one week an extension of universal uh, of, of unemployment insurance for like one week so that the negotiations could continue. And they didn't. Here was Senator Rob Portman from Ohio pointing this out on Thursday. One idea, by the way, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I'm going to offer this in a moment as a resolution for the Senate to take up. And I think this is the ultimate common sense. Let's keep $600 in place for now while we negotiate something. So let's have an extension for another week on the unemployment insurance at 600 bucks, just so we can negotiate something. Okay, and Democrats turned that down. Nancy Pelosi went out there and she said she wasn't going to sign anything. Nancy Pelosi wanted to throw a wrench into the works simply so she could try and blame Republicans when the money ran out and the economy started to crater. That was the overt and obvious goal here. That was the overt, obvious goal. So President Trump avoided that with, again, a smart political move. It may be unconstitutional. It may be that he has exceeded his executive boundaries. And it may also be that we now live in a country where checks and balances no longer matter and the executive branch has usurped virtually all authority and that predates President Trump. And one of the great tragedies of history is that very rarely do people who breach boundaries end up paying the price. Usually the people who are like second after that, right? usually the government is given inordinate powers. And then the person, two people later, uses those inordinate powers in ways no one's thought of. And they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. In any case, here's what Trump actually did. According to CNN, Trump tried to assert executive power signing four actions on coronavirus relief on Saturday, one of which will provide as much as $400 in enhanced unemployment benefits after Democrats in the White House were unable to reach an agreement on a stimulus bill this week. That memorandum on enhanced unemployment benefits, 25% of which states are being asked to cover, has a lot of strings attached. It is seen as a cumbersome effort that may not help a lot of the unemployed. I love how CNN covers this stuff, right? If Barack Obama signs an executive order to do anything, literally anything, then it was a good move. It was always a good move. DACA was a good move. Delaying the employer mandate was a good move and was definitely going to help the American people. Trump does something to act in the absence of congressional action. And it's obviously a bad move, always, because his last name is Trump, obviously. The other three actions he signed include a memorandum on a payroll tax holiday for Americans earning less than $100,000 a year, an executive order on assistance to renters and homeowners, and a memo on deferring student loan payments. Some of these he has more executive authority for. Some of these he, he really does not. Delaying the payroll tax, he has some executive authority for that, given what Barack Obama did. Deferring student loan payments, he has a lot of executive authority for that, actually, under the existing law. He didn't really do anything about assistance to renters and homeowners. He basically kicked it over to the Housing and Urban Development Department to assess what they could do. And then on unemployment, he, he basically kicked that to the states. Trump said in a memorandum on the unemployment benefits at his golf club in Bedminster, I'm taking action to provide an additional or extra $400 a week and expanded benefits, $400. That's generous, but we want to take care of our people. In order for this to happen, a state has to enter into a financial arrangement with the federal government for any unemployed person living there to get any of the additional benefits. And the federal government is requiring states to pick up the tab for 100 bucks of the $400 additional benefit each person may be able to receive weekly in additional aid. Up to $44 billion from the disaster relief fund would be made available for lost wage assistance. So he has the ability under executive law, he does have the ability to shift some funds from sort of general funding under the disaster relief fund. It's stretching the definition for sure. And it is constitutionally questionable, as I say. It is also politically smart. And the way you can tell that it's politically smart is the Democrats are losing their minds. They're very, very upset about this because they thought they had him boxed in. They thought that simply by preventing any sort of relief package from taking place, they'd be able to turn around and blame Republicans. A Democratic official said that Democrats were not given any heads up on the executive action. They said their funds are completely tapped. And so the states won't be able to help out. In fact, states have asked Congress to provide them with an additional $500 billion to help shore up their budgets, which have been crushed by, the, crushed by the loss of tax revenue amid the pandemic. Several experts told CNN there are major questions about how many states may be able to afford the extra cost if a state says it doesn't have the funds or doesn't want to enter into an agreement with the feds. The, unemployment, the unemployed in that state would receive $0 in the extra benefits. They would still receive normal state unemployment insurance. So this is not going to solve all of the problems. But again, it is a smart political move. In a second, we are going to get to how you can tell it's a smart political move, the democratic reaction to all of this. Again, two things can be true at once. One, I don't like when the president of the United States of whichever party exceeds executive boundaries. It is a violation of the Constitution. And two, this is a smart political move and Democrats have no card to play. So both of those things can be simultaneously true all at once. Senator Mitch McConnell he said, struggling Americans need action now. Since Democrats have sabotaged backroom talks with absurd demands that would not help working people, I support President Trump exploring his options to get unemployment benefits and other relief to the people 
who need them most. We'll get to all of the reactions from Democrats and from the media in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that does it feel like your rights are under assault these days? Have you been watching as our major cities seem to be almost burning to the ground? I mean, it just feels awful out there. Between what's going on in Chicago, which we'll get to, and in Portland and in Seattle and in Los Angeles and in New York, it feels like maybe you might want to own a firearm to defend yourself and your rights. It feels like that time, right? Gun sales are at an all-time high. Well, this is why you might want to rely on my friends over at Bravo Company Manufacturing. The people at Bravo Company MFG support the right of responsible private individuals to have the access and ability to employ the same tools as civilian law enforcement as a means of defending ourselves, our loved ones, our communities, and our freedoms should a threatening situation ever arise. BCM assumes that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. So quality is of utmost value to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans. You know, I own a couple of guns. It is something that I'm a proud gun owner. I, I feel that it is necessary for me and my family. And the people at Bravo Company Manufacturing, they feel exactly the same. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to Bravo Company mfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. They are awesome folks. Check them out. Bravo Company mfg.com. If you need more convincing, check them out at YouTube, youtube.com slash Bravo Company USA. Okay, so Joe Biden reacted by suggesting that the executive order to cut the payroll tax, particularly was a war on social security. His idea here, so the payroll tax usually is money that goes towards social security. You pay some, your employer pays some. When a payroll tax holiday is declared or when there is a payroll tax cut, then the money is usually filled in through general funding to Social Security. It's a way of delaying the, the cost of Social Security, but the benefits never get cut. Now, government never allows Social Security benefits to ever get cut. Didn't stop Joe Biden from lying about this. He said that the payroll tax cut was a threat to Social Security. And he, he said it's a reckless war on Social Security, actually. He said it would undermine the financial footing of Social Security, which is hilarious. There is no financial footing to Social Security. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Social Security... There is no lockbox. The money you paid through your payroll tax is not there. It has been paid out to other people. It'll be later taxpayers who foot the bill for your retirement if they foot the bill for your retirement at all. Biden said he's laying out his roadmap to cutting Social Security. Our seniors and millions of Americans with disabilities are under enough stress without Trump putting their hard-earned Social Security benefits in doubt. So the Democrats have taken a couple of tax on Trump's executive order. One is that it doesn't do anything. It's ineffective. Two is it does everything and is deeply effective and is bad. And they're trying to make both of these arguments simultaneously. So you got Joe Biden saying it's really bad and it's really scary. He's going to be cutting the payroll tax. And by cutting the payroll tax, he's undermining Social Security. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama signed a payroll tax cut into law. I'm old enough to remember that. In fact, I can look at the at the White House website, the Obama White House website, February 22nd, 2012. Just now, President Obama signed the Middle Class Tax Relief and Job Creation Act of 2012, extending the payroll tax cut and emergency jobless benefits through the end of the year. President, Trump, President Obama was very, very happy about this. And in fact, David Plouffe, the senior advisor, said at the time, when President Obama asked you to speak out on the payroll tax cut, you jumped into action. Thousands of individuals from across the country wrote in to say what $40 with each paycheck means to their families. So I'm old enough to remember when uh, somebody not named Trump was president and nobody in the media seemed to care about a payroll tax cut. In fact, Barack Obama pushed the payroll tax cut in 2011. Here's Barack Obama pushing exactly the same sort of evil, evil payroll tax cut that Joe Biden says he's going to undermine Social Security. Who was vice president when, when this guy was president again? Who was it? Joe Biden may not remember, but I do. Here is, here's Barack Obama. Now, let's be clear. Right now, the bipartisan compromise that was reached on Saturday is the only viable way to prevent a tax hike on January 1st. It's the only one. All of the leaders in Congress, Democrats and Republicans, say they are committed to making sure we extend the payroll tax cut and unemployment insurance for the entire year. And by the way, this is something I called for months ago. Okay, he called for months ago, right? And this is Barack Obama back in the day saying the payroll tax cuts are good. By the way, you know who else used to say payroll tax cuts were good? Nancy Pelosi. In fact, she was asked specifically whether payroll tax cuts undermine the future of Social Security. This is back at the time. And here's Nancy Pelosi being like, no, it's good. It's fine. It'll be good. It's all fine. Nancy Pelosi, back when her attention was a little less a clack. This does take money out of the Social Security Trust Fund, and then it may never fully be refunded, repaid. No. no, I don't worry about that. She doesn't worry about it at all. Back in the day, she didn't worry about it. But now they're undermining Social Security, guys. And the media run with this headline because the media, as we'll talk about in a second, are just awful. The media ran with the headline that this is undermining Social Security. The benefits are going to be cut. They're not going to be cut. 
Benefits are not going anywhere. A payroll tax holiday is a good idea because you're paying less taxes in the here and now. And right now, given the fact that employment is scanty and we need to be bolstering businesses, allowing them to keep some of the money, at least for the moment, is a good idea. Doesn't matter the media are fibbing about it anyway. We're going to get to the second Democratic reaction, which is all a stunt. These executive orders, they mean nothing. Well, then why are you so mad about it? Why so mad, bro? You mad, bro? We're going to get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about safety and security. So I care deeply about safety and security at my house. It turns out there are lots of people online who don't like me and target me and dox me and all that sort of stuff. So I care a lot about knowing what's going on on my property and also right outside my property, which is why I have Ring devices on my property. There are a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are right from your phone. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring will let you know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing your home is protected. I've got Ring devices. Not only means that I can make sure that bad people aren't at the front door, it also means that I can keep track of my kids. So just on like a personal convenience level, I like being able to look at all my Ring cameras and know where on my property my kids are so I can stop them from finding the myriad ways that children do to uh, to hurt themselves. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Ben. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus, free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so even Chris Wallace, right, who has not been, I would say, particularly friendly to President Trump over on Fox News, he asked Nancy Pelosi, didn't you botch this? Didn't you botch this? Like you could have cut some sort of deal. Instead, you decided to go for like a four trillion dollar package that funded pretty much everything up to and including, you know, garbage, uh, just garbage that that has nothing to do with trying to save the economy. And Nancy Pelosi has no answer because, of course, that's what she was doing. It was obviously an attempt to poison pill the process so that when the thing went down, she could blame Trump and she could blame Republicans. Here's Chris Wallace calling her on it. You're known as a mass master negotiator, but didn't you mess this one up? Because you talk about all the things that the president's bill. Let me, let me just finish, if I may, Speaker. Uh, now, because there's no deal at all, cities and states won't get any money. There's no money for the post office. There's no money for hospitals. There's no money for state boards of election. Uh, you knew that the president was threatening to take this executive action. I understand that, that you weren't going to get everything you wanted and didn't get any, everything you wanted, but should you have cut a deal? And are you ready to go back into talks to try to come up with a fuller package? She had no good answer to this because, of course, that was entirely her plan. Now, the other angle Democrats have taken on the executive orders, they, they were saying it's unconstitutional and it's illegal. Okay, Barack Obama used executive orders in deeply illegal ways. He acknowledged that what he was doing was illegal. He said for years, I don't have the executive power in order to simply defer action on DACA, right? I can't just say that people who are in the country illegally can stay. That's not something I can do. And then he just did it, right? Then he just did deferred action for childhood arrivals. He just did it. Right? Barack Obama said in 2013, Obamacare was supposed to kick in the employer mandate in 2013. Instead, Barack Obama delayed it for a couple of years simply so he wouldn't feel the political blowback when suddenly employers were forced to cover Obamacare, right? And, and so he just delayed it by executive order. It didn't matter that it ran exactly contrary to the text of Obamacare. So Barack Obama used executive action in unprecedented ways. It was a complete violation of the constitutional order. Well, you may think that that's what Trump did here. And I think there's a strong case to be made that he exceeded executive boundaries here. But Democrats have no leg to stand on here, like no leg to stand on. And yet the media jumped into this and, and were like, how could you use executive orders this way? Where were you guys for eight years? Where were you? We're going to get to the media in just one second. First, the other angle the Democrats were taking here was that the executive actions are just a stunt. They don't mean anything. Here is Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, desperately trying to spin this as Trump not trying to help the American people. The event at the country club is just what Trump does, a big show, but it doesn't do anything. And as the American people look at these executive orders, they'll see they don't come close to doing the job in two ways. One, what is what they proposed? And second, what's left out? OK, pretty incredible stuff right there. Right. It's, it, it doesn't do anything. So simultaneously, it undermines and destroys Social Security and also. It does nothing. The media, of course, jump on board here and they started grilling Trump on the executive order. Is this illegal, Mr. President? Is this illegal? Listen, I'm fine with reporters asking Trump whether the executive order breaches the boundaries of the Constitution. That is fine with me. My question is not whether the media are too aggressive with Trump. It's where the F were you guys for eight long years when Barack Obama was violating every constitutional boundary, like all of them. And Barack Obama routinely violated the Constitution. The man declared an undeclared war in Libya, Okay, and which... 
ended not so well, as I recall. He was droning American citizens overseas. Right? I mean, like, they, they, they may have been bad, right? They may have been terrorists, but that was dicey legally at the very, very least. In any case, where were you guys? Like, where were you? They grilled Trump on this, however. So the hypocrisy of the media was on full display. Again, they want to ask him these questions. I think they're perfectly legit questions to ask Trump. My only question is, where the hell were you guys for years, for years? I think we know the answer, and I'll get to it in a second. Here are the media going after Trump over the weekend. So you're trying to set a new precedent that the president no, can go around no. Congress and decide how you much hear the word obstruction? Spend. They've yes. obstructed. You're Congress has obstructed. The Democrats have obstructed people from getting desperately needed money. Go ahead, please. Right here. President, gonna, no, why do you keep no, saying that you have veterans' choice? Okay, excuse me. Go ahead, please. But it's a false statement, sir. Okay. Thank, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. Okay, people were angry that he ended the press conference because one of the reporters wouldn't stop asking him the same question over and over again. So, meanwhile, meanwhile, the media's gaslighting here continues. So the media covered this executive order as though it was really, really bad. Now, we all know for a fact that if Barack Obama had not been able to negotiate an agreement with Republicans in the middle of a pandemic, to extend aid, and then he had unilaterally gone and done it, they would have cheered. And we know that because they literally cheered when he did it with DACA, right? He said, I can't cut a deal with Congress. I can't cut a deal with Congress. I can't do it. I won't make a deal. So I'm just doing it myself. And we were like, ah, ah. And we on the right were like, "Um, that's not how the Constitution works. You don't get to say, if I can't cut a deal, I'm just going to do it myself. But the media did. And then when it's Trump, then all of a sudden they care about the Constitution again. It's incredible how it kicks right back into place. Now, again, I'm not in love for the 1,000th time, this episode alone, I'm not in love with the executive order. I don't like it. I don't think the president of the United States has the unilateral authority to do these kinds of things. But the media definitely do not get to stand there and now stand on the corpse of the Constitution they helped shiv and be like, oh, guys, you know, this is real bad. This is real bad. The thing about the media that you have to understand, though, at least many members of the mainstream media, is the lack of self-awareness is just incredible, just unbelievable. So Brian Stelter, who, you know... uh, I find Brian amusing, I will say. I've been on his show a few times, a nice guy, but Brian Stelter on CNN. Over the weekend, he literally had on a, a, liberal, a liberal journalist and he asked them, you know, there are all these media outlets and they're out there trying to destroy Biden. They're after Biden. They're, are, they're, why don't we see anything like media companies trying to tear down Trump? This is a thing that Brian Stelter said as a human with a face and a brain, presumably, inside that gourd. Here was Brian Stelter saying something that it's like, do you own a mirror? Have you ever seen CNN? I mean, I got, Brian Stelter may never have seen CNN, right? I mean, he spends all day watching Fox News, so maybe he doesn't understand CNN exists. Here he was on CNN asking whether there is a network dedicated to the destruction of Donald Trump. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Is there an equivalent uh, to that? There, there really the isn't. There really isn't. There's no... What? I mean, I'm watching CNN. I'm watching CNN right now. They spent like years with every piece of breaking news was Donald Trump's about to go down for Russian collusion. Every segment on CNN has a chyron about how Trump's a liar and a bastard. And there's Brian Stelter being like, have you ever seen anything like this attack on Joe Biden? I mean, like people attacking Joe Biden, a presidential candidate. In a second, we'll get to more Brian Stelter because it's pretty highly amusing. First, let us talk about the fact that you hear stories in the news all the time these days about people defending their own property with a gun and then being arrested for it. In fact, we saw that that crazy story out of St. Louis where where Black Lives Matter, I mean, you have to call them rioters because they literally broke into a private gated community and then they threatened somebody's house and the guy walked out front with his gun and then he was arrested for it, right? And his wife and he were, were, were issued charges. Okay, we, we hear those stories in the news. The legal system is not always fair. Responsibly armed Americans sometimes become political targets. It's not right for good, responsible Americans to wind up in jail or embroiled in a lawsuit if you defend yourself or your family. In this day and age, you need a gun to protect yourself and your family. Here's how you can take a simple and powerful journey to firearms and self-defense confidence. It's called the Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide from the United States Concealed Carry Association. It is 100% free. You will learn from the USCCA how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest and most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun, even if you got little kids, and a whole lot more. It's 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen whenever you want. 
Listen, I own my own firearm. It is important to know how to responsibly use that firearm. To get this guide, text Ben to 87222. You'll get instant access and a chance to win a thousand bucks so you can buy a gun to protect your family in safe and responsible fashion. Text Ben to 87222 right now. Again, text my name, Ben, to 87222 right now and join the USCCA, a fantastic, fantastic organization. Okay, Brian Stelter didn't just stop with being unaware of of media companies trying to tear down Trump. Brian Stelter also, this is my favorite clip actually from Brian Stelter's show this weekend on CNN. He was very angry because it turns out that many of us on the right, and by the way, some on the left have questioned Joe Biden's mental fitness because I will say it again, Joe Biden is barely alive. I mean, his mental acuity is not what it used to be. It is perfectly obvious from watching any clip of him. Brian Stelter decided that all of us are, are insane for suggesting that Joe Biden is not mentally fit because Joe Biden rode a bicycle over the weekend. This is a thing that happened on CNN. Don't worry, though. They're not just flax for Democrats. Here is Brian Stelter. Look at what Fox News saw on Saturday at Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. This is Joe Biden out there on a vigorous bike ride. Not wearing a helmet, but definitely wearing a mask, by the way. Fox's narrative and talk radio's narrative for months has been that Joe Biden is falling apart. You just heard Ben Shapiro say it, falling apart. And there he is riding a bike, out for a bike ride. And Fox, of all networks, is the one that showed it happen. Owned! Owned! Oh my God, I've been owned. Joe Biden can ride a bicycle. You know, like a dog, like riding a bicycle. Like Pee Wee Herman riding a bicycle. Wow, he must be mentally fit to be president now because he rides a bicycle. You know who else is probably mentally fit to be president? My four-year-old son who rides a bicycle. He's four. He, he watches Octonauts. He knows about the creature reports. He clearly, my, my, my son, my four-year-old, is fit to be president of the United States. He, is, he has the mental acuity of Joe Biden. He can ride a bicycle. I can't believe it. Now that, now that I know that Joe Biden rides a bicycle, like can ride a bicycle as a, as a nearly 80-year-old man, that means he could pro- he's probably with it. He's pro- like, it's all good. All those clips of him saying things like all black people think the same. And him not being able to put together full sentences and him wandering off blithely into the wilderness of verbiage. All those weird clips of him just kind of like, my my time has run out. I I was going to say something, but I was all that doesn't. He wrote a bike, guys. But don't worry, CNN is not a flack channel for Joe Biden or an attack channel on Donald Trump. Brian Stelter, man, that the name of that show is Reliable Sources. That's the name of that show is Reliable Sources. I, I, I couldn't love that more that his. Case proved Joe Biden is fit to be president. The man can stay upright on a on a two wheel bicycle. Wow. Like a clown, like a funny, funny clown. He can ride. a bike. <laughs> Imagine if he could ride a unicycle. I mean, my goodness, if Joe Biden could ride a unicycle, then we should probably make him emperor. If he could fit inside a clown car, even we should probably just make him president. Pretty incredible stuff. Meanwhile, speaking of media bias, I've got I've got a bunch of media bias headlines here that are pretty spectacular. So. Over the weekend, there is a report that the top U.S. intelligence officials, counterintelligence officials, have been warning of foreign interference in our elections. And what they found is that the Russians have been trying to interfere on behalf of Donald Trump, that the Chinese have been trying to interfere on behalf of Joe Biden, and that the Iranians have been trying to interfere on behalf of Joe Biden. They put out a statement and said, we assess that China prefers that President Trump does not win re-election. China has been expanding its influence efforts ahead of November 2020. Although China will continue to weigh the risks and benefits of aggressive action, its public rhetoric over the past few months has grown increasingly critical of the current administration. Okay, on Russia, we assess that Russia is using a range of measures to primarily denigrate former Vice President Biden and what it sees as an anti-Russia establishment. This is consistent with Moscow's public criticism of him when he was vice president for his role in the Obama administration's policies in Ukraine. Some Kremlin-linked actors are seeking to boost President Trump's candidacy on social media and Russian TV. Iran. We assess that Iran seeks to undermine U.S. democratic institutions, President Trump, and to divide the country in advance of 2020. Iran's efforts along these lines probably will focus on online influence, such as spreading disinformation on social media and recirculating anti-U.S. content. Tehran's motivation is in part driven by perception that Trump's re-election would result in a continuation of U.S. pressure on Iran. Okay, so the Russians want Trump, apparently, according to this counterintelligence memo. The Chinese and Iranians, they want Biden, which makes perfect sense. The Iranians know that Joe Biden will cave to them and that he wants to re-enter the garbage Iran nuclear deal. The Chinese know that Biden is soft on China. And the Russians have always been in favor of sort of the chaos that Trump represents, even though Trump is actually in policy much more anti-Russian 
than, than the Obama administration ever was. So naturally, the media's takeaway from this, the media's takeaway from this tripartite counterintelligence report is that the Russians are trying to steal the election. And then they just conveniently forgot about the parts about China and Iran. It's truly amazing. CBS's Margaret Brennan asked the National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, whether Trump was letting the Russians interfere. Never mentioned was China. Never mentioned was Iran. I mean, shockingly, the media only focused in on one aspect of the report, the Kremlin. They don't care that the Chinese, who are, by the way, way more powerful than the Russians, or that the Iranians, who are far more malevolent than probably either, are both stumping for Biden. That just went completely by the wayside. Completely by the wayside. Here's Margaret Brennan, journalisming. When President Trump spoke to Vladimir Putin July 23rd, did he tell him to knock this off? But they're doing it again, is what you're saying. So the message clearly wasn't received. Did President Trump say to Vladimir Putin, knock it off this time? The big question here, obviously, is Russia, right? Everything else goes away. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, well, you know what? I I do have to add one note on an amazing New York Times headline over the weekend because the New York Times has basically just become BuzzFeed. Over, Over at the New York Times, they literally ran a headline on their, they tweeted this out. It's hard to fathom, but it has been 36 years since a man and a woman ran together on a Democratic Party ticket, writes Maureen Dowd. To use Geraldine Ferraro's favorite expression, give me a break. They're calling for Joe Biden to run with a female VP. Um, I don't mean to fact check the New York Times, which, by the way, couldn't even fact check its own 1619 project because Nicole Hannah-Jones is the editor. But um, has it been 36 years since a man and a woman ran together on a Democratic Party ticket? Has it? Or has it been like five minutes since Hillary Clinton ran with Tim Kaine? They had to issue a correction. An earlier version of this column incorrectly said it had been 36 years since a man and a woman ran together on a Democratic Party ticket. It has been that long since a man chose a woman to run as his VP. Your, your last presidential candidate was a woman. And Tim Kaine was, yeah, well done, New York Times. You guys really on the ball here. Really, really on the ball. Okay, in a second, we're going to get to all the chaos that is breaking out in America's major cities. Chicago basically turned into Batman Begins yesterday. It was incredible. Like last night, Chicago raised the bridges. I'm not kidding. It was escape from New York. They tried to actually cut off the the circle loop. They tried to cut off the center of downtown Chicago because so many people were rushing in with, I kid you not, U-Hauls in order to rob major stores in Chicago's downtown. We'll get to that. in. Don't worry. It's because of Trump. It's because of Trump. You know, honestly, we should have seen it coming when uh, when Jussie Smollett gave us that report on those evil, white, red-hatted men we're trying to lynch black people in downtown Chicago. We should have known that Trump was going to ruin Chicago. We should have known that this was next. We're going to get to all of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that right now you don't want to go to an auto parts store. In fact, why do you ever want to go to an auto parts store? You can do everything you need to do online. You can spend less money. You can spend less time. You don't have to go into the store, wait in line, get to the front. They have to order the part online anyway, or they give you some generic part that ain't that great. Instead, head on over to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, they always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? RockAuto.com, it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The RockAuto.com catalog, it's unique, it's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for that car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you a great family-owned business, great American company. Check them out, rockauto.com, and get the lowest possible price on the best possible part, rockauto.com. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the chaos in Chicago, also chaos in Portland, which is also Trump's fault. It's amazing how Trump runs none of these cities, but it's all his fault. We'll get to that in just one second. First, I want to tell you about our most exclusive membership tier over at Daily Wire, All Access. All Access members, they get to join All Access Live, our exclusive live stream Q&As hosted every night by each of the hosts, including moi. This Thursday, August 13th, for example, I will be hosting an All Access Live to discuss my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, which has been at the top of the charts since it was released in July. I've gotten a lot of amazing feedback, questions from our readers, so... This Thursday night, I will be taking questions and discussing some of the themes, ideas, etc. in the book. Also, we do some singing. We do some dancing. There's a bit of a gun show. All Access membership also features exclusive access to live online discussions with our hosts, writers, and special guests, along with not one, but two leftist tier assembler with your membership, as well as early and sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. You saw that last week. We had a limited count collector's edition baseball bat. It was available to All Access members. 
It sold out 100 pieces in less than 48 hours, so you can't get it anymore. Head on over to dailywire.com slash Shapiro right now. Get two, get 20% off all access with coupon code ACCESS. You can also get my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble if you want to join the discussion. Remember, dailywire.com slash Shapiro with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so over in Chicago, things have gotten great. You know, President, it's all President Trump's fault. Chicago, Portland, Seattle, LA, all these major Republican cities just falling absolutely apart, just falling apart over the weekend. Attorney General William Barr, who's a very, very bad man. He's a very bad man because he's the Attorney General and because he's in the Trump administration. He pointed out correctly that anyone with a brain can see that there is violence in the streets, but apparently nobody in the media have a brain. They've been telling us mostly peaceful things are happening. The peacefulness is actually intensifying. Here's William Barr over the weekend. I've been appalled at what's on this violence because it's happening right out in the streets. Anyone with eyes can see what's happening. They see the violence. They see the, these groups of uh, agitators in their black outfits and uh, their helmets and their shields. Alrighty, so he is right, of course. Chicago burned over the weekend. So here's what happened in Chicago over the weekend, which I've been told that it is a great city that is totally under control. Everything is going great there. Mayor Lori Lightfoot right on top of everything. She is just the best. She's great at her job. So what happened? Well, in Inglewood, over the weekend, on Sunday, about 2.30 p.m., the police responded to a call about a person with a gun, and they tried to confront someone matching his description in an alley. He then ran away from the police officers and then shot at the officers with a gun. Officers then returned fire, and they wounded him, and a gun was recovered. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. Three officers were also taken to a hospital for observation. More than an hour after the shooting, this is according to ABC News, police and witnesses said a crowd faced off with police after someone reportedly told people police had shot and wounded a child. Okay, so people just started lying about what happened because this is what we do now. And by the way, Democrats facilitate this sort of behavior on a broader level. Joe Biden over the weekend, for example, he tweeted out the Michael Brown lie again. This has become like a this has become a normal Democratic thing to say. I remember Elizabeth Warren did this during the campaign. Joe Biden tweeted out over the weekend. It's been six years since Michael Brown's life was taken in Ferguson, reigniting a movement. We must continue the work of tackling systemic racism and reforming police. That was a legally good shoot. OK, that was a that was a shoot that the Obama DOJ found was justified. There was another investigation that just ended last week after a DA was elected there to basically prosecute the officer. The DA killed the case because there was no evidence that the officer did anything wrong. There is Joe Biden just lying about the case. So this happened in Chicago. Also, people started lying about the police shooting a person who shot at the police. And this escalated into basically giant riots in downtown Chicago. There were literally reports that people were driving U-Hauls up to stores in Chicago. Not kidding. OK, and, and this is according to the Chicago Tribune. They, they found that. People were driving U-Hauls up to large stores and just stealing stuff. So according to ABC News, quote, more than 100 people were arrested Monday following a night of looting and unrest that left 13 officers injured and caused damage in the city's upscale Magnificent Mile shopping district and other parts of the city, according to authorities. You can see that they're outside a Tesla building trying to shatter. The, they shattered the windows of the Tesla building, right, to try and steal cars, presumably. Really good stuff here. So just to point out, Magnificent Mile is like the center of the downtown shopping district. It is the nicest part of Chicago. It's the most beautiful part of downtown Chicago. Police Superintendent David Brown said it was not an organized protest. Instead, an incident of pure criminality that began following the shooting of a person by police the previous day in the city's Englewood neighborhood. At one point early Monday, shots were fired at the cops and officers returned fire. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said this was straight up felony criminal conduct. This was an assault on our city. Probably should defund the police. Probably it's the police's fault. No officers were injured in the shooting. Many of the businesses ransacked had recently opened after the last round of ransacking, after the George Floyd protests, the unrest began shortly after midnight. Anti-police graffiti was seen in Magnificent Mile. Hours earlier, dozens of people had faced off with cops after officers shot and wounded that guy. By the way, it takes all the way until the end of the article for them to mention that the person they wounded had actually been shooting at the cops. There was video that emerged last night of the city of Chicago closing the bridges. Okay, this is just Batman Begins at this point. Apparently, Ra's al Ghul took over the Chicago Loop last night. They raised the bridges in the middle of the evening to stop people from rushing over to the Magnificent Mile and continuing to do damage. Along Magnificent Mile, people were seen going in and out of stores carrying shopping bags full of merch, as well as at the bank, the Chicago Tribune reported. 
The crowd, as the crowd grew, vehicles dropped off more people in the area. So basically it was running. Guys, they needed bread. As AOC says, these are people who need bread. What we are watching right now, this is all about racial justice. These are people who are stealing, stealing stuff from the bank because obviously racial injustice, systemic evil. Stores miles from downtown were also ransacked. Parking lots were littered with glass and items from inside the stores. Clothes, hangers, and boxes that once contained TV sets and electronics were seen. Stealing TVs for racial justice. Representative Reverend Michael Flager, who is a wild leftist, right? He was an advisor to Barack Obama. He is a social justice warrior par excellence. Said This was obviously very orchestrated. One officer was seen slumped against a building. Several arrests were made. A rock was thrown at a police vehicle. Again, according to the Chicago Tribune, according to the Chicago Tribune, people literally were driving U-Hauls up to the you hauls up to stores to steal things. Solid, solid stuff. So it was a semi-coordinated event that spread via text and word of mouth. Well done. Well done. But don't worry, guys. It's probably President Trump. Remember that time when Chicago's mayors used to be, you know, kind of corrupt, but also they kept the trains running on time? I'm speaking here of Richard Daly. Those Democrats are gone. Those days are gone. Now the mayors of major, major cities just let the cities burn. At least... The corrupt Chicago mayors of old, at least those, those corrupt Chicago mayors used to make sure that the citizens were at least somewhat safe. Not anymore, apparently. This is absolutely nuts. Meanwhile, riots continued over the weekend in Portland, which I have been told is increasingly peaceful. Remember, it was the feds. The feds were causing the problem. Then the feds started to leave. Quote, a fire inside a police union building led authorities in Portland, Oregon to declare a riot and force protesters away from the offices as violent demonstrations continue in the city that had hoped for calm after federal agents withdrew more than a week ago. Well, Utterly unpredictable. It turns out the criminality that preceded the feds also also postdated the feds. It turns out that before the feds got there, there was violence. After the feds got there, there was violence. So probably it was the feds. According to USA Today, a group of demonstrators broke into the Portland Police Association building, set fire, and were adding to it when officers made a riot declaration late Saturday. Video shot by a journalist shows smoke and flames rising from inside the building. Several hundred people had gathered outside the offices, which are located about five miles north of the federal courthouse that had been the target of nightly violence earlier this summer. The Portland Police Association is a labor union that represents members of the Portland Police Bureau. Live video had shown multiple dumpster fires had been set near the building, because that's our country now, less than half an hour after police tweeted that criminal activities, including but not limited to vandalism, unlawful entry to the building, or fire starting, could be subject to arrest, use of tear gas, and or crowd control munitions. The riot was declared about 11.30 p.m., but everything is going great, guys. Everything is just going great. In fact, things are going so great that the main challenger to Mayor Ted Wheeler, who, of course, is the pathetic mayor who went down to the middle of the protest like a couple of weeks ago and got yelled at by the, the, the people he was allowing to riot. His main challenger is a, is a communist, basically. <laughs> I, I kind of love this. A Portland mayoral candidate named Sarah Iannarone, who's on KGW's Straight Talk. She's a Portland mayoral candidate. She says she is more progressive than Ted Wheeler. And when asked to condemn violence against police, she said no. So here she was. This is Ted Wheeler's competition in Portland. It's coming from the left. It's coming from people who are like, you know what? Things aren't crappy enough in Portland. What if we just went like full commie and allowed the rioters to just run the city completely? Here is here the direct opposition to, to Ted Wheeler. Again, a, a challenger named Sarah Ayanarone. We need to understand these protests are an important part of a healthy democracy just as much. But as what about we, the criminal activity we're seeing? Do you denounce that part of it? I understand why they are angry. But lighting fires with people inside the building, would you denounce that part of it with lighting fires, arson with people inside buildings? I'm not the person setting the fires. I'm not the person doing the graffiti. But will you denounce I'm it? I'm not here to tell protest. So you I don't it? smash windows. I clean, I clean up when things are unfairly targeted, but here's what I have to say. The, their outrage at the police is valid, and the problem of police brutality and executing black lives in the streets is more important than petty vandalism. Yeah, things are going great over in Portland. Things are going great over in Portland. By the way, they're going great in L.A. also. According to the Washington Examiner, Public records indicate that an L.A. city councilman who voted to slash the police department budget by $150 million called for police assistance eight times since April, including calls for protection from protesters at his home. 
A public records request reveals that L.A. City Councilman Mike Bonin, who voted to defund LAPD by $150 million, has called LAPD to his home eight times since April 4th, including to provide extra patrols and protection from peaceful protesters at his home, according to Bill Malugan, a reporter for Fox 11 in Los Angeles. He joined 10 other city council members in an 11 to 3 vote to cut the police budget in June. Bonin says that he has not called the police. He just said that a lot of staffers called the police. So that's, he said seven of the eight calls were apparently generated by the LAPD themselves. He says, I specifically asked for no patrols at my home. Then the reporter from, from Fox LA revealed that there was definitely a call for service by Bonin or a member of his staff from within the LAPD. So it turns out there are natural consequences to allowing your cities to be, to be made a mockery by rioters and looters just to own Trump. You know, by the way, Chickens coming home to roost over in Washington, D.C. as well. Black Lives Matter protesters didn't just stay in the commercial areas. They decided to march over to residential areas in Georgetown to wake people up. And all I can say is um, if you voted for this, then, you know, welcome to the party, pal. So this is wonderful. They're literally just marching through residential areas, waking people. These people were committing the great sin of sleeping in the middle of the night. So well done, everyone. Just really, really strong stuff all the way through. Now, you would think that maybe this might give President Trump something to run on. And maybe, indeed, it will. At some point, Joe Biden's going to have to actually answer some questions about how he plans to get this sort of insanity under control or whether he's just going to poo-poo it the way that every other major Democrat seems to be poo-pooing it. By the way, in stories about making the country better, apparently, the store Target, so one, one of the things that's most wonderful about our situation right now is corporate America has decided to simply woke signal, and they're going to woke signal for the cash. What they figure is that motivated woke people will shop at their stores if they do woke virtue signaling and that everybody else will will shop at the stores because they don't want to be bothered. So Target has now added a badge to help shoppers identify black owned brands. Great. There's no way this could possibly go wrong. There's no way it could possibly go wrong to label brands by the race of the people who own the brand. That's it. I'm sure it'll go great. I'm sure it'll go great. Maybe we should have people wear badges, you know, or something like that based on their race or their ethnicity, or their religion. Maybe, maybe that'll go great. Let's just label everyone that way. And then we can tell which sort of products we should and should not buy based on the race of the people who own the products. Awesome. According to Food Network, Target said in a company statement, quote, we have carried a number of Black-owned brands for years and continue to listen to guests to ensure we offer a compelling, relevant assortment that supports our guests' needs. Based on what our guests are searching for, we have started to implement icons online to help our guests find and support Black-owned brands and founders when they shop online. Yeah, this is, no way this could possibly backfire in any possible iteration. Okay, meanwhile, you know what? Let's talk about a little bit of good news. I know it's a lot of bad news in one episode. Let's talk about a slight amount of good news at the very least. So it turns out that Goldman Sachs is actually pretty positive about the economy for next year. They're saying that vaccines seem to be de- developing a pace. They put out a notice over the weekend. They say that they expect at least one vaccine will be approved by the end of 2020 and will be widely available by the end of 2021, quarter two. And they are now leaving their forecast of quarterly annualized GDP growth unchanged in 2020. They are hoping there will be a 25% GDP growth in Q3 and an 8% GDP growth in Q4. They're now expecting 10% in 2021 Q1 and 8% in 2021 Q2. So they're looking at a a 0.62% GDP growth on an annualized basis in 2021. They think the unemployment rate is going to decline to 9% by the end of 2020, and they're hoping for 6.5% by the end of 2021. So that's that's good news. I mean, that's, that, that's at least some piece of good news. By the way, also worth noting, it appears that Democrats are beginning to come around to the idea that keeping schools interminably closed is a bad idea. Chuck Schumer has finally caved. He said over the weekend that it's time to open schools. We can't keep schools closed, which is weird because five seconds ago, Democrats were declaring that if you want schools open, you want to kill both your children and grandma. Executive orders leave out schools altogether. State and local services. They came a tiny little bit in our direction on that, but very little. Not in the middle. We're close to it. You can't do that by executive order. It's spending. And you'll have firefighters. This is not abstract. This is not government. It is firefighters, sanitation workers, bus drivers, health care workers who need to get paid. Okay, so it is, it is funny to watch the Democrats flip on a dime. Again, if President Trump is competent, then he can make a lot of hay here. We got cities in flames. We got Democrats who are trying to prevent aid from going out for the unemployed. We have Democrats who are right now flipping on whether to open schools and recognizing they can't keep things interminably closed. So that, that's a lot of room for the president to run. And this election ain't close to over at this point. 
It is only the beginning of August. Okay, now we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. So over the last week or so, there's been a lot of attention paid to a music video. It is called WAP, okay, which we're going to get into in, in just one second. And it seems to me that there's a segment that we have been remiss in ignoring for a long time now on the show. We used to do it much more regularly. It was called Deconstructing the Culture. So it is time once again to deconstruct the culture where we take an important piece of popular culture and we, and we break it down for its important aspect in American life. So let's deconstruct a little bit of culture. So there's this video that went out. It is by a person named Cardi B who has a rather checkered past. I mean, she, she's talked on video about how she used to drug men and steal their money after, after bringing them back as, as, what, a quasi-prostitute, something like that. Uh, and then she became a rapper, so American success story. And there's another rapper whose name is Megan The Stallion. I assume this is her given name. Her last name is Stallion, and her parents named her Megan The. Um, and I, I don't know why her middle name is The as opposed to The, um, but apparently you are The Stallion, not just, not just The. She, the, The are The Stallion. In any case... There's this new video, and just as a preface to this video, let me note some of the headlines about this video from mainstream outlets. The headline from Complex was, Why Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's empowering anthem, WAP, is so important. It's very important, guys. This is a very, very empowering, important anthem. Grammy, Grammy Grammy.com, they put out a, a, like people who do the Grammy Awards, they put out a headline, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion deliver a juicy collaboration with WAP. Wow. I mean, it must be important. Metro UK put out a headline. The backlash to Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's WAP proves society still hates sexually powerful women. Hmm. Apparently, according to Billboard, Christina Aguilera is feeling some type of way about Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's WAP. This is a deeply important piece of art, guys. And then Black Entertainment TV, BET, they put out a headline. Cardi B perfectly claps back at misogynistic criticism of WAP. Because all criticism of WAP is misogynistic, like deeply misogynistic and sexist, as, as it turns out. And this video, this music video, had 56 million views within 48 hours of release because it, it got all sorts of press and it was deeply important. This is a deeply important piece of American art that we should all pay attention to. It is deeply empowering. So we're going to play a little bit of the video and then I'm going to read you some of the lyrics to WAP, which stands for a thing. I can't say most of the words in this song. I mean, I can pronounce them, but if I, if I say them aloud, then we will be banned by the FCC. So here is a little bit of this video. So as you can see, there's water pouring out from the front of, the, of a mansion. Okay, here are these two ladies, and then there is just a giant golden butt. Okay, and then there's golden boobs that apparently are spouting water. Um, it's... um. Yeah, so this is all great. And then there's some tigers, and this is apparently the tackiest mansion that has ever been. And, um, and then there, there's them lying there with a bunch of snakes. And, you know, kind of typical music video kind of stuff, but it's very empowering. This is deeply, deeply empowering stuff. So if you can't hear the lyrics, because it's, because, um, I don't know why you would hear the lyrics, <laughs> frankly. Uh, here are here are some of the lyrics. This is this is empowering stuff, guys. This is like Susan B. Anthony. This is like women fighting for the right to vote. This right here is women fighting for the right to work. Right here, what we are watching is women fighting for the equal right to talk about their wet-ass P-word. That's what WAP stands for. So here are the actual lyrics. Okay, and this is, this is not demeaning to women in any way. It's not demeaning to women in any way. It doesn't turn women into sex objects. It doesn't make men think of women. In a, in a purely sexual fashion. It, it, it is women empowering themselves. It is super empowerment. Here are some of the lyrics. You ready? Whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass P word. Make that pullout game weak. Yeah, you effing with some wet ass P word. P word is female genitalia. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass P word. Give me everything you got for this wet-ass P-word. Beat it up, N-word. Catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this P-word right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top, I want a ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This P-word is wet. Come take a dive. It continues uh, along these lines. Uh, and it gets significantly, significantly more vulgar. Like a, a lot more vulgar. Talk your S-word, bite your lip. Ask for a call while you ride that D word. 
you really ain't never going to F him for a thing. He already made his mind up before he came. Now get your boots and your coat for this wet ass P word. Pay my tuition just to kiss me on this wet ass P. Right. So this is, guys, this, this is what feminists fought for. This is what the feminist movement was all about. It's not, uh, it, it's not really about, you know, women being treated as independent, full, rounded human beings. It's about wet ass P word. And if you say anything differently, it's because you're a misogynist, you see. Uh, it gets really, uh, really, 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 really vulgar. But I, I will admit that when I first saw the lyrics to this song, my first concern as a sympathetic and empathetic human being, my first concern is that these women are describing a serious gynecological condition. And like, I, I'm serious that these women are suffering from some sort of serious, I mean, a bucket and a mop. This sounds like there, there's some there's something that is going on here that is not biologically normal. And by the way, the song is so unsexy that it frankly sounds like somebody describing what amounts to a serious condition that requires the care of a doctor. So fortunately, I know a doctor who is my wife. And so I asked her for her medical diagnosis. And she looked at the lyrics herself. And after being kind of appalled by them, obviously, she had a few sort of indicators here on how she could diagnose the, the vaginal condition that apparently these women are suffering from. So there are a few sort of giveaways. There are a few sort of giveaways here. So first of all, a bucket and a mop for this wet ass P word. So first of all, she had to clarify whether wet ass P word was a description of the P word or whether one of the clinical symptoms here was also diarrhea. But bring a bucket and a mop. So this suggests that there's an awful lot of, um, not to be too graphic, but some sort of uh, medical discharge that's happening here. Like a lot too much. Right, a lot too much because that's a symptom of something that is not going great. Apparently, there, there are signs of prolapse. Um, and, and I say that because hop on top, I want to ride. I do a Kegel while it's inside. So there's some signs of some actual clinical prolapse, which is, which is a problem. Also, there's some, there's some talk about um, where this person is putting their nose. And, uh, and, and there's some talk about smelling. Right. There's a there's a line here about gagging and choking, which suggests that perhaps perhaps there's an odor issue here. Also, the, at some point in here, there's a reference to diabetes uh, about uh, about a, a person who uh, engages in particular activity and ends up diabetic, which suggests a serious pH imbalance. So I asked my wife for a differential diagnosis for the sake of these ladies in case they need to go to the doctor. I mean, like this, this is a problem. I mean, like if if this is real, like there's water pouring out the front doors of this place. And that ain't water, guys. I mean, that's, that's what I'm being told. That ain't water. So the medical diagnosis, here, here was her differential. Her differential diagnosis, my wife, the doctor, was either these women are suffering from bacterial vaginosis or a yeast infection, or my wife suggested most probably they are suffering from trichomonas. So just a bit of medical advice. You know, put aside the empowerment. Put, I mean, I understand how empowering it is for women to sing about the, the moisture state of their genitals. And I, I understand that anybody who criticizes this as reductive of female sexuality and or of putting out images of females as over-sexualized in a way that is negative, that puts a, a negative images in men and, and drives negative images toward women for men, treating them as sex objects. I understand that, that that stuff is out of bounds, right? I mean, if we mention any of that stuff, it's because we're misogynists. I'm a sexist for saying that women are more than just, you know, their wet ass P words. But- as, as a sympathetic human being, I just want to make sure these ladies get the care they need. My wife's medical advice is that they go to a gynecologist ASAP and that they and that they do whatever checks are necessary for bacterial vaginosis, yeast infection, or trichomonas. So with that in mind, we'll be here later today with two additional hours of content. And um, and by the way, this, this video is available to everybody, including people who are under the age of 18, is what I have been informed by, by those who use YouTube. So Good news there. Our culture is in good hands. Everything is good, guys. Everything's good. We'll be here later today with two additional hours of content. We'll see you then. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, 
The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. A well-known pastor defies the lockdown, Hasbro gets pervy, and President Trump goes where Congress dares not tread. We'll get into all of it. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.